Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. It's a beautiful morning. Nine days until football season. I'm Josh Newberg. I'm Josh Newberg. And I've got Chris Nee, and of course, you've already heard Brendan Sinone. They're with me. And this week, the Knowles 24-7 crew already dropped an instant reaction podcast after James Blackman was named the starter Tuesday. That was the big news of the week. Um and if you haven't listened to that show, it's up on our iTunes. You can you can get it right there. Not a lot of other news this week. Um, camp's over. We're, we're into preseason practice mode. So we decided we're going to take some, some of your questions. And the members of Knowles 24-7 submitted, oh, a couple dozen questions on the message board yesterday. We're going to read the good ones. Um, it's a mailbag episode. Boys, you ready? Yes. Born I know, ready. I, I know, you know man. Born ready. Woo! I, I rolled out of bed this morning, and all I thought to myself was, man, I can't wait to do this mailbag podcast. I, I figured you couldn't sleep last night knowing that we had a mailbag in front of us. A little a little behind the scenes action. Uh, we were waiting for Mike Norvell, or it was after Mike Norvell spoke on the Zoom call, and Chris was on the Zoom, and I called him just so I could see his face when I asked him if he wanted to do a mailbag podcast yesterday. <laughs> it, it did not disappoint. I like the mailbags. All right, here we go. Under over, and I like I like um, being the one to ask the questions because I can move it along as quick as I want to because some of these questions don't deserve more than about five seconds. So, <laughs> but not I'm not saying this question though. Burt Reynolds burner over under three sacks for the defensive line against Georgia Tech. That's a good question. I'll take uh, I'll take over. Over. Let's go. Kendo with all. Th- Kendo's gonna get four in the first game. I'm calling it now. You I just what? I think Georgia Tech's not very good, especially up front. They're going to be playing an inexperienced quarterback more than likely. So, and they have a run, and all those quarterbacks are probably going to be kind of runners. So you have the chance to get them uh, scrambling around the pocket, and and yeah, I, I think you're going to be productive on defense this this first game. All right, we're setting the tone. We're all taking the over on the very first question. You know what kind of mailbag this is going to be. All right, um, I know the twenty. Uh, the 2021 commits have been talking about uh, doing a big visit weekend. Heard anything about it to be for the Georgia Tech game? Um, real quick, I reached out to a couple commitments. Nothing set in stone. I'm not anticipating a big visit weekend for the Georgia Tech game. I think maybe a couple will. But remember, players have to buy their own tickets. There's not even unofficial visits. The, the, the recruits can't even get left free tickets at the gate. Yes, recruits can attend if they travel and buy their own tickets and do everything on their own. Um, I talked to Byron Turner. He, he said he wants to get to some games, wasn't, wasn't particular on which ones. Uh, Chris, you got any more info on that? No, not at this point. I will check in. Uh, Kobe Gross is one of the guys that told me they intended to do that. So I'll check in with him and see if anything's come together. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question. Um, 
Jay Funches asks, seen some crystal balls, including our own Zach Blostein, predicting Terry and Arnold to UF. If we miss on Arnold, do we take another DB in this class? If so, who is on the board? I'm not convinced they definitely will. Um, I think they like what they have in that room. I think they like what they have in this class, and I think they may just turn their attention to 22. But knowing Marcus Woodson, how it worked last year with like Sidney Williams coming along late, he always sort of has a guy in mind who might end up being in the class. But right now their focus is still on Arnold, and I know people are putting in crystal balls, and I know FSU's got work to do there, but he's in no rush. That's one of those that's not going to play out to at least December, January. Yeah, I got a similar take to you. Um, I think if they miss on Arnold, do we take another DB? We know that they have room to take one. We know that they would like to take one, but we also know that they want one at the caliber of Terry and Arnold. Um, so right now, I don't think there's a DB that you can just plug in that's of the caliber of Terry and Arnold that FSU has a legit shot at. So right now, like Chris said, I think they put that scholarship in their back pocket. And if Marcus Woodson falls in love with somebody after watching some senior tape, maybe they could go on them. Um, Follow-up question. We are sitting at 15 commits in the 2021 class. Assuming we have any D commits, what's the breakdown of the tennis remaining spots? How many on defense? How many on offense? What would the position breakdown be? Um, we can run through it real quick. We know that they're done at quarterback running back. They like one or two uh, wide receiver one. You think they have room for one more tight end, Chris? Uh, yeah, I think River Helms is still a possibility at the tight end spot. Okay, so one more tight end. Uh, we'd probably like to see three more offensive tackles in this class, maybe two more offensive tackles and a guard tackle, somewhere in that range, at least three more offensive linemen. Flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball, I'd say maybe one or two more pass rushers, uh, two more defensive tackles in this class I think are necessary. And then you look at linebacker. What do you think at linebacker, Chris? One more? Maybe one more. I don't think it's a necessity, especially because that's another position where you have a lot of mm-hmm. freshmen, sophomore currently on the roster you seem to like. Yeah. And then we know they have a, a spot at defensive back. Um, special teams, Chris, we're going we gonna to use a scholarship? No, I don't think so. I don't think this is a year that they need to. They obviously have a very young punter. If Fitzgerald ends up being the kicker, he's a young guy, and their long snapper is not aging out. So it's probably not a spot where they need one. Okay. So that's the breakdown. Uh, yeah, they have about 10 spots left. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them hold on to a couple scholarships for the transfer market afterward. We saw that FSU took seven or eight this year and, and ran out of spots. So um, wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe they undersign a little. All right. Savannah. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. just add real quick on that. I think offensive tackle, defensive end are two positions where you could see them instead of taking a high schooler or a JUCO, they go with transfer market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Savannah Bandana wants to know, Brendan, if I were to tell you that Warren Thompson has seven touchdowns in 2020, what would you predict the win-loss record to be? <laughs> I love that that's a great indicator. Well, so right then and there, I mean, that's seven passing touchdowns for James Blackman. Uh, what do you have, like 25 <laughs> last year? So you're already mm-hmm. you're trending upwards to, to a quarter of it to, to one guy almost. Math. Um yeah, they'd win seven or eight games. If you're getting Warren Thompson as your second or third best receiver, getting seven touchdowns, I think that's great news if that were to develop. Chris, do you have a good answer for that? Uh, oh, I thought that the question was – I thought it was only directed at Brendan. <laughs> I thought so, too. Did they ask me specifically? Um, I just asked you first. 
I think I've said it before. I think Warren Thompson's a wild card of the offense. I don't think the O line's going to be all that good, and I'm not banking on it. But if you got Warren Thompson producing like that, you expect Terry to produce. You expect Hilton to produce. You get a little bit out of running game. Your offense is scoring enough points to win a lot of games if the defense lives up to the billing we're trying to give it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a direct correlation to wins and Warren Thompson touchdowns. So if Warren Thompson could get 11 touchdowns, I think Florida State would be in a good spot. All right, VVJ1992 wants to know, what FSU player scores the first TD of the season? I'm going Jay Sean Corbin. I just I think there's a possibility of him running it or catching it. Therefore, I'll go with him. Drop Keyshawn. my mic for those wondering at home. Drop the mic, uh, Keyshawn, <laughs> Keyshawn Helton, because wouldn't that just be a great story? Keyshawn Helton. Okay. And you got the kick return aspect potentially there. You maybe got punt return. Who knows? Uh, Keyshawn Helton. All right. Well, if FSU what? scores a special teams touchdown, I don't give no, you know, what's about social distancing in that press box. I'm doing a lap. He's ripping off his mask. And and a chest chest I'm just and doing a, a lap. Box. Special teams is back in town, boys. All right. Well, I think you guys are all wrong because the first Florida State touchdown will be on a fourth and goal from the one yard line and DJ Lundy will pound it in. Ooh. What about yeah, James Black? What about James Black keeping it on a read option and taking it 90 yards downfield? <laughs> out of here. All right. Now you're drunk. Sunday Gold wants to know, has has Norvell indicated what uniforms are going to be? Um, he had he had a variety at Memphis. Luckily, we have a head coach who cares more about the actual coaching and the on-field product than uniform combinations, which is a vast improvement over the prior staff. So, no, he's not really talked about it. I think it's one of those things where he's very much a you're rewarded for hard work. And if the players want to do something, I think he'll allow it. But I think most of the time he's going to go pretty traditional. We should probably ask him at this point because it's been asked enough. It's probably worth it. I don't want to be the one who asked that. So you can do it, Chris. Chris, how much? I was going to ask, um, why doesn't – anybody ask uniform questions and before you jump down my throat about journalism just let me just just let me finish my thought why doesn't anybody ask about the uniform combos because all three of us know right now that if oh. we had a quote from mike norvell on uniform combos and We'd we read ran it in a story it would get 15 times the page views of mike norvell talking about his offensive scheme so i'm just wondering like what is it like, is it bad journalism to ask that kind of stuff? Like what, what's the stigma? It's just, I personally, I'm just stubborn about it. I think, it, I think it's an idiotic topic and I'm not trying to be mean to the person that asked the question. I know people care about it. I just don't give a shit. <laughs> I, I do think that Chris's point is it's something that a majority of, of fans probably care about more than you know the people who are kind of seeing the sausage get made. It's just something that we don't think about a, a time. I'd much rather see FSU come out and garner in gold with traditional helmets because it's a great look. And even though the uniform colors have been a little tainted by changes in recent years, it is still the classic look. And I'm I'm not one of these people that's like, get off my lawn, nothing should progress. But I think FSU's classic look is classic. And I think they should stick with that. I also think you should earn it. Like, I yeah. think when these uniform changes started happening 15 years ago, Nike picked remember when they Nike picked like there's like 12 teams well they were all really good teams it was like Texas Ohio State it was it was all the top teams had these variant uniforms now you know you can win seven games and get a blackout game like it just it's it cheapens the experience to me and I think until FSU maybe earns it I'd just like them to see I'd I'd be happy if they just wore their traditional uniforms every weekend home and away. How mad would you guys be if they came out with all black uniforms circa 2018 Virginia Tech? 
<laughs> next Saturday. All right. Mr. Foreman wants to know, I know we can't take any more transfers due to the limits, but is the team pursuing a waiver to restriction? Uh, yeah. As far as I know, I was told like back in June that they were filing for the waiver, but even back in June, I was told that they probably wouldn't find out until mid September. Um, so what good does that do them, do them, Josh? Like, I don't how know. Does that help if, if it's I don't know. September. Even yeah. and even back then, when I was being told, that was when the season was supposed to begin in late August. So it it, it was even more kind of like head scratching. Like why even apply for this waiver if you don't get it till September? But I mean, <laughs> who knew the season was going to get delayed and all that kind of stuff? Um, I still think at this point it's too late. Uh, I don't see anybody coming in and and seriously making a dent in learning the system and doing all that and being able to um, be a solid contributor. Oh yeah. I I do think they are pursuing the waiver. And if I hear anything, I'll let you guys know. Uh, J rod wants to know, will we see a 3000 yard passer, a 1000 yard rusher and a 1000 yard receiver this year? And if so, who are they? So Uh, what's, what's interesting about this real quick is James Blackman hasn't thrown over 3,000 yards in either his two seasons as a starter, but Mike Norvell has every single year at Memphis had a quarterback throw for at least 3,200 yards. So something's got to give, right? Yeah, I I, I lean towards yes, um, especially on the receiver passing combination. I'm rushing is a maybe. I think Corbin's going to be our primary rusher, but I also think you're going to see FSU utilize several backs that may steal some carries that would allow him to – break that mark plus the fact that they're only guaranteed currently 11 games that makes me a little hesitant because you really only have one stat stuffing game in those 11 with it being Jacksonville State and you know you don't even want to say for sure that FSU is going to go out there and put up a 600 yard kind of game um I I would if I was betting money on it I wouldn't bet on it but I don't think it's far-fetched either (laughs) I, well, I don't. I really don't. I, I do think there's a <laughs> no. If you I'll put, if I think I think bet against it. Right. I, I think there's an excellent chance Terry ends up with a thousand, which therefore plays into Blackman working towards three K. Yeah. And Norvell has that history. I'm more hesitant with the running total. Okay. All right. TB three golf seven one four wants to know where do you see this team in two years, given the notion that eligibility won't be pressed this year in knowing what the needs are recruiting wise. So not where you think, where do you think this team will be in 2022 at the start of the 2022 season is what he's asking. I'm optimistic about what they're going to be. I think the development of a young, younger quarterback, whether it's Chubba Purdy, uh, Luke Altmeyer, if he's, you know, gets time to develop quickly enough by then, I think that's going to be a huge factor the coaching that they're going to get for multiple years under Mike Norvell and his ability to assemble quality staff year after year is going to be impressive. And their ability to tap into Juco market grad transfer, they've shown they can do a good job with that. I think that all will expedite the process of building this roster, Uh, the variable of of how good are they recruiting in state and are they able to get blue chip guys by then? I don't know if we'll see that, but I do think at the very least you'll see a formidable consistent eight nine win program at florida state and that gives you the chance to then jump to the next level so i think by the start of 2022 season you're looking at a team that you think could start possibly contending for for acc titles i, I wouldn't be surprised at all yeah i was going to say back towards the upper echelon of the acc mm-hmm. is where i expect them i i think the variable the biggest one in that is fixing offensive tackle both short and long term you you have to have that position and 
a place where you have a dependable guy at each spot by that point and a guy coming up who will be the next guy at that spot at that point. And they're not currently based on what they have on the roster and what they're recruiting in a position where I think I would be comfortable saying they're there yet. Could James Blackman be the quarterback still in 2022 with the eligibility deal? Yeah, he could definitely. I mean, that'd be like seven years. The dude's turning into like a 10 year player. Nah, because he's a redshirt junior this year. Like, we could have, as it stands now, we could watch three full seasons of James Blackman at Florida State still ahead of us. This is like hump day. Like, he's still, we're still in the middle of it, of the James Blackman era. (laughs) All right. Um, Big squeeze three, updated win-loss now that we've seen camp opt out. I mean, what do you guys just generally think? Seven and four. Yeah. My opinion hasn't changed with, with camp. Seven is that that's what we're Brandon. saying for the season prediction. Um, yeah, that's my current season prediction. Yes. Yeah, I think seven and four is probably a slightly optimistic viewpoint, but let's tis the season to be optimistic. I see yeah, six or seven wins. Let's go seven. Yeah. All right. Outside linebacker Patrick Payton. When does he flip? I don't think it's a slam dunk that he flips. Um, He's going to depend some on visits opening up. He's never, to my knowledge, he's never been to Nebraska and he's committed there, obviously. So mm-hmm. if visits open up and he goes and he visits, there's a potential he shuts down, doesn't take other visits. If things never open up and he never visits there, he has visited here, given it was with the prior staff, but the current staff's also actively recruiting him. So they're going to be in a mix. I do think he is probably out of all the guys committed elsewhere that FSU is pursuing their highest likely flip candidate. But I also don't think it's like a done deal slam dunk. Yep. Um, I think when does he flip to answer that question? I don't think anytime soon. I agree with Chris. He's a guy that I would um, target is a, a high flip choice or chance. But I would probably say more towards after the season or um, recruiting season, like in the month of December. I don't know if he's an early enrollee or not, but um, I think it'll be more towards decision day. Um, of the last four months of 2020, which month do you think was most fruitful when it comes to recruiting? March. Yeah. Um, I think September, we hit the ground running and everyone jumps on board. What do y'all think? Uh, I think that's, um, an optimistic way to look at it. Um, I hope you're right. We'll have a lot to report on, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. We've spoken previously how if they win the Miami game, and and when we talked about it, it was 3-0, and now it's 2-0 and if they win that game, presuming mm-hmm. they beat Georgia Tech too, which we expect. Um, that, that can be a pretty significant moment in the early history of this program under Norvell in the sense of having some real momentum and something to sell and something to point to and, you know, just a notch in the belt type of deal, and I still think that's very true. Yeah, yeah the question was um... – we hit the ground running and everyone jumps on board. I don't, I don't see that scenario happening. I, I don't think, I think recruiting is going to stall a great deal. I think we've seen it already stall a great deal nationally um, in September for the 21 class, because guys who were going to get out of way largely have some still will before they play a high school game, but there's a lot of guys still in that wait and see mode as far as can I get out and take visits and stuff like that. And, Right now, they can't for September. We don't know yet about October. So, has the early signing period has that been pushed back yet, or is that still it, it still exists in its original form? We shall see if they change that. I mean, the NCA's head is spinning, they can't 
yeah, they can't keep up with all the stuff they have to change. Right and now, now, and now they're furloughing people. Apparently, I saw that yesterday. Yeah, they should furlough Mark Emmert. That would be a good place to start permanently. Uh, will we get a five star in the 2021 class? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. No, yeah, I don't think so. Um, Destin Noll wants to know how will Deontay Sheffield be used in the run game. I've got some thoughts on this. I think ideally right now he's probably, if you're going with the two-back system quite a bit, mm-hmm. if if it's not LaDamian Webb complimenting Jay Sean Corbin, I think Deontay Sheffield makes sense because he's smart. He's going to know where he needs to be with scheme and blocking because they have a lot of built-in options off of those uh, two-back systems. And you'll see when they go tempo, uh, maybe one play, like he'll be him and Corbin in the backfield with like a pony look. And then the very next play, if they pick up enough yards and they go tempo, he'll be split out wide, which he can do too. That fits his skill set because he has some experience as a wide receiver. So I think that's kind of ideally where you use him if you're not going with the two bigger backs in in Corbin and Webb. So I don't know how much we'll see. Sheffield, Chris, what do you think? Like maybe five snaps a game? I think some. Uh, Yeah, I think we see him some. I think he is kind of thought of as an old reliable dude who can take a little bang and then play a college game at a high level in the sense of understanding what he's getting into which there's a few guys in that room, Philly, Ren, Douglas, who don't yet have that experience. You can't simulate that. So they're not going to have that until they get some carries. So, yeah, I think Sheffield's leaned on a little bit. And Sheffield's willingness to show us out there to play special teams, not even as a returner, but if he's willing to do coverage stuff, that's a big reason I was told why he got that scholarship. Same thing with White Rector. I mean, it's just the reasons that Mike Norvell values special teams. It's very clear the guys who who go hard on special teams were rewarded with with scholarships. It's not a surprise this preseason. Uh, Noel Chris 2020 has a question on the 2021 safety board, but we've already answered that on what happens after Arnold. Um, Death to Gators wants to know, Jerry and Jones or Miko Dotson, who gets more snaps? Ooh. I'm going with Jerry and Jones right now. I think he gives you the most upside at that boundary corner spot, the most playmaking potential. But I, I, I think we'll see a fair amount of Miko Dotson as well because he can play probably either corner spot or even the slot. And then also you want to factor in special teams as well. Uh, but in the, in the true base defense, I'm leaning Jerry and Jones as the projected starter right now. It's where I have him on the depth chart. Yeah, I, I agree with Sinone's take on that. I don't think it's going to be drastically different, though. I think Dotson's versatility is what allows him to get a lot of snaps, even if he's not technically a starter. Okay. NB123, he asked a, a question that we could probably do a whole podcast series on if there's another quarantine. So I'm going to give you guys one. You can You can choose one restaurant that you would eat at at away games, just one total from all the places that you go. I, I love smoking pig and pig and yeah. Clemson. Not I mean, even close. You guys would eat it's together. Barbecue. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. There's a lot of good restaurants in a lot of places in the ACC. It's one of the nice things, but smoking pig is excellent barbecue. Smoking pig. It's not even close. It's life. And there's some really good barbecue in Tallahassee that we're lucky to have and, and on other trips too. But smoking pig is, uh, is special. It also sets the game day mood. It's right there on the way into the stadium. You see a lot of people that work for FSU that go to away games always there when it first opens because they have to get the stadium early. And then you see a lot of opposing fans in there. And you have to get there earlier or else you run the risk of like them not getting brisket. I didn't get brisket or ribs the first three times I went. So the last couple of years, Nina, I've gone there for breakfast, essentially barbecue for breakfast, baby. All right. Name a true freshman and a redshirt freshman who will be big contributors this season. 
Well, I don't want to steal Jarvis Brownlee from Sonoma <laughs> because, you know, he has to earn it back. But I, I'll redshirt freshman, I'll go with Akeem Dent. True freshman, I'll go with – I think uh, that – Akeem's not redshirted. Sorry, pick again. Oh, uh, you're right. He, uh, yeah, he's a sophomore, isn't he? He's a true sophomore. Dang it. All right, go ahead, Sonoma. <laughs> so, uh, throw it to me. Yeah, I'll go Jarvis Brownlee as redshirt freshman. I'm all in. I can admit, hey, I was wrong. I slept on him. I can admit that I was wrong. Uh, he'll uh, he'll at the very least be a contributor on special teams and in sub packages. I think true freshman. I want to go Stephen Dix Jr., but you know what? I'm going to spice things up a little bit. I'll go Lawrence Tofilly. We've heard really good things about him the last week and a half, two weeks. They need a running back to emerge next to Jay Sean Corbin to kind of take take some pressure off of him. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy from Josh's backyard. All right, right. can't I? I got. I'm good. I'm good now. Quayshawn Fuller, redshirt freshman. There you correct. go. Yeah, I think he yes. gets some really good burn at the end. I think they've been very pleased with him in the preseason. And true freshman, it's Alex Mastromano because he can bomb that shit. Yeah. Aren't you guys missing on redshirt freshman Travis J? Oh, Travis J. Sorry, Jarvis. Wouldn't he be the most obvious one? Uh, I'm sleeping on is Jarvis a redshirt again. freshman. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he, he probably is. I mean, especially yeah. with, with Hamza being banged up, it increases the workload he can take. You know, I think Hamza probably plays the other spot. Not free, but the more buck mix spot that we have would be at. Um, but yeah, Jay, Jay would definitely be. And you know what? I'm going to change mine. Sorry, Jarvis. I got pushed and I got forced into you. Impression. I was just trying it. to help you win some brownie points. Man. I'm going to go. Did I'm going to go with Darius. Some Washington. brownie points. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is so proud of himself. That was a Sonoden joke. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm going to go Darius Washington because he'll be the starting left tackle as a redshirt freshman. Go. All right, moving on. Oh. Michael Jordan joins DraftKings. Okay. That was from yesterday. Slow. All right. Uh, with Blackman being named QB1, I was wondering why it was up so high yesterday. How close do you think the QB race really was? It wasn't all that close. I mean, it wasn't. And especially yeah. once Chubba Purdy went down, it was yeah. over, right? And I, like, and I don't think it was going to be that close, Josh, anyways. Like, like mm-hmm. Chubba just has a lot of room to grow, and you were trying to eventually get him in a place to where he could help out on sub packages, and like maybe late in the year that's an option. But no, James never really relented. But you're right. As soon as as soon as uh, Purdy went down, I think that kind of closed the door on any kind of variable of of you know, say Chuba all of a sudden having a great two week stretch and closing the gap. It just it wasn't yeah. going to happen though. T Boston ninety nine also followed up with, "What are your thoughts on him winning the job?" There is a complete breakdown, an instant reaction podcast with Brendan Sinone and Chris Nee. Uh, just one show below this one. What are your thoughts, so go, Josh? Go we check get, that out. What, what are your thoughts real quick? I mean, I thought he was going to be the guy all along. I thought experience was going to win out. Um, you guys had that nasty taste in your mouth because you actually watched the bowl game um, multiple times. I only watched it on TV that one Chris, time. Chris Chris traveled there like a sucker. <laughs> right. So that's why I think, you know, some of your opinions were tainted. I never – I always expected it to be James Blackman. I'm not saying I expected it to be James the entire season, but um, I think he's going to get, you know, my opinion is not season. not tainted. I'm the official ambassador of the James Blackman fan club. All right. What is going on with Jordan Travis and any update on DJ Matthews? Two guys that are kind of enigmas this, this fall camp. Yeah. Jordan, we've not gotten specifics on either to be upfront about that. With Jordan Travis, we think there's some arm issues there as far as at least soreness or the inability to just, you know, rip it day in, day out. And whatever reason that is, we don't know. Don't know if it's an injury or just something he's going through. And on DJ, he's not back with the team at last check, and we still believe that to be the case as of yesterday. Yeah, he was tweeting and, stuff that made it sound like he was not with the team still. Right. He, and he's well past the quarantine time period. 
And, you know, we've heard talk of him opting out, graduating December being done, but we haven't been able to confirm that. We do intend to ask Norvell on Friday if any other players have officially opted out beyond Chapman and uh, Briggs. Which freshman do you see? Okay, we've already answered that one out of each. Jarvis Brownlee. Uh, Blackman finished with over 3,000 yards. Blackman, that's not a question. Oh, over-under. Okay, here's the over-under. <laughs> 3,000 yards passing and 30 touchdowns. Over-under. It hasn't happened yet in his career, and I don't know. I'm taking the under. I'm, I'm going to go over. I think that Norvell magic. I mean I- – I think Terry Thompson Hilton are a productive trio. And I think Jordan Young is in that too. And if all four of those guys produce, you're, you're going to be able to throw it around the yard. Plus I think they're going to utilize the running backs a lot in the passing game, especially if the O-line is struggling. A lot of quick passes, just get rid of it, get guys in space, try to create something that second level when blocking fails at the first level, kind gotcha. of that stuff. There's, there's going to be a lot of hidden passing mm-hmm. yards. You know what, Chris, you, you convinced me. I'm going to go over. Cause I think James Blackman's going to be more competent and his, his bats are going to be less bad than they've been. So it's funny that we're picking Blackman to go three K plus and all three of us are not entirely convinced he plays. No, I'm, I'm taking the under. Um, I'm not as easily influenced as Brendan is just by hearing your, <laughs> your words, Chris. Um, I'm sticking with the under. All right. Noel Knight wants to know, which running back are you most excited about? He goes on to say that he's personally excited about Douglas. Ja'Kai Douglas. I, I like that whole room. Um, I think Corbin's the best in a bunch. I certainly think he's the most ready to do it right now. So I'd lean Corbin, but I, I like that room top to bottom. Corbin is the one I think could be the most special out of the group right now. Uh, he has that potential, but Lawrence Toffoli mentioned him a few minutes ago. Like that's someone who, who has a ton of upside. And if his athleticism translates over the way we think it can, yeah, he, he might end up being the real deal as well in a couple of years. I love yeah. This is hearkening back to my younger days of watching FSU football, but I love those teams that would have the ace back, the, you know, the minor, the done, but you'd also have like the D feasters, the rock Prestons, the guys who were second, third to them, who were also super productive and, held a role and were pretty damn good football players that helped the team win games. So I kind of like that. I feel like the running back room's getting back to more of that dynamic. Chris three, three, three wants to know when does Payson finally commit to us? <laughs> Take it, Josh. <laughs> I was going to throw this one to you, Chris. <laughs> um, no, I, I, and this is a question. I think the FSU staff would like to know uh, Steve Wilfong would like to know Everybody that's covering the Payson commit or recruitment would like to know when is he going to make his final decision? And he just has been dead silent on that. I've asked him every 14 days for the last, oh, hell, since the quarantine began. And he literally almost never responds in any form or fashion. He's okay. just, he's going to let us know when he's ready to let us know. And that's, I, and I checked with FSU sources on this and, you know, they, they're, they say to me the same thing. Hey, when you find out, let me know. Um, so nobody really knows. Uh, Will Fong has some different sources that are close to his trainers and coaches, and, and they don't know. So your guess is as good as ours. But I think there's like 14 crystal ball picks on Payson's page, and all of them are for FSU right now. I've got an idea, guys. When, when I was covering UCF way back in the day, there was a kid who committed there from Lakeland Kathleen, a, a wide receiver. I can't remember his name now. But he was like an enigma too. Like he was apparently committed, but no one could actually talk to him or get him on the phone or even in person. Like he was like, didn't even know if he existed. 
So I would just call him every single day and another intern would just call him. Like we would rotate every day where someone would just switch off. And finally, like after two months, we got him and he confirmed it and that was it. And he wasn't a very good interview. And that was probably why he didn't want to talk because he didn't just care to talk at all. I think that's what we need to do for Payson. Just all four of us rotate every day. Someone call him. Eventually he'll pick up. When he picks up, are you like, you're shocked? Like yes. you're, you struggle with the interview initially because you're like, holy hell, he actually picked up. That's what happened with the, with Sydney Williams. Uh, Blostein kept calling him uh, when he was visited and then went to Indiana. Remember that yeah. uh, for the official? Yeah. And then I was like, well, let me try just sometimes a different number. Like he may think it's a 407. Hey, maybe UCF calling. And, uh, and he called right back and got a little interview with him. So yeah, that's, that's how that works sometimes. <laughs> All right. Um, DT Null wants to know, has anyone looked at our O-line individual player ratings versus our O-line versus our opponent D-lines? What so are probably asking about matchups? asking about pro football focus ratings. Yeah, like where, like he's asking what O line is FSU going to match up favorably against somebody else's D line? Um, uh, Stanford off the off the table. Who who's it going to be, Brendan? Jacksonville State. Uh, I haven't looked closely at that yet. Actually, our PFF subscription is running out pretty soon. I don't know if we're going to renew that. Are we? No. I mean, anybody that uh, <laughs> Jesus, Josh. <laughs> No, <laughs> anybody. Good anybody talk, guys. Good talk. FSU. Anybody that FSU might lose to is going to have a better. Any any uh, uh, competitive game, FSU is going to have a mismatch. Offensive I, line versus their defensive line. I mean, Georgia, there's very few games where they're going to outmatch the other person, the other team's D line. Georgia Tech's D line. I don't know of anybody on that group who I would put in like an elite level. Um, Miami obviously had guys like Rousseau, but they opted out. But, but it, Miami's doesn't take, D-line, it doesn't take right. somebody's defensive no, line no, no, to I know. somebody elite on there. I, but I'm saying a guy who's going to feast on them. And, you know, like Rousseau did last year. I gotcha. I think my, I think Miami has plenty of talent. I, I would definitely give their D-line a nod. Notre Dame's D-line, kind of similar. UNC has got some good bodies on the inside. Louisville, truthfully, not sure off the top of my head. Pitt, their best one opted out. Did he, did he officially opt out? The interior guy opted out. Okay. The end did not. The end's a stud. The end, the end is uh, who I put on my all-ACC team with Kando. NC State doesn't have anything that super excites me up front on the D-line. Clemson's obviously very good up front. Breezy's a kid who's getting tons of buzz. Virginia's capable up front. They don't have, like, dominating forces, but they have a good group. Kind of Brocco builds it as a whole instead of leaning on one. And then Duke with Rumpf. Rumpf is one of the better D linemen in the country. He doesn't get a ton of love, but the kid can play. Mm-hmm. FSU, I got, I got a hot take. FSU's offensive line is going to be a four out of ten this year. The starting front. What would you describe them as last year? Uh, probably like a two and a half. The year okay. before a one. I just wanted to give it a scale. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you are inching towards below average if that starting five stays healthy. If Darius Washington goes down or Devontae Love-Taylor, either of the tackles go down, that creates a lot of issues. But if you stay I, healthy, I think you can push to be close to average by the end of the year. Which I think cool. in 18, they had no clue how to coach around it. I think in 19, Bryles did an effective job of trying to, especially early in how he schemed games. Yeah, amazing Obviously, early on. would sometimes figure that out, and it wouldn't work much down the stretch. I think that Norvell is going to continue that the incline of we're going to see him scheme around it more effectively. And I think offensively, what they're willing to do and what they have at their disposal, especially with the backs out of backfield, I think you're going to see that. Jordan Wilson was a huge piece of that yeah. that they lost. 
just theoretically go from left to right, like redshirt freshman Darius Washington, probably been better than true freshman Darius Washington, who was nervous early on in his career, right? Yeah, Dante's the, be- Dante the best lineman on the team. A- another year, Bavion Johnson or Andrew You're Roselli hoping or Murray that pans Smith. Out. Yeah. But even then, you would assume a year of more experience, probably a little bit better, at least, yeah. at least not getting worse. Uh, Brady Scott, another year of experience. And then uh, I would imagine Devontae Love-Taylor is at least a slight upgrade, if not a, a fairly noticeable one, over over Ryan Roberts based on how I, they graded out at the uh, G5 level. I think it is a positive that those five have consistently been those five throughout preseason. Camp. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen a whole lot of flip-flopping of, well, they're interchangeable because neither of them are very good. Yeah. Um, you know, I think at center – they're interchangeable because they're pretty similar. So, yeah. I think the issue becomes like we talk about on paper, we got five, but like what happens in a, in a real life scenario where, you know, somebody gets injured or, or at one point, two or three guys are all or, injured at the same or, time. Or you know what I mean? An, an outbreak. Well, Josh, if you can go to Knowles 24 seven right now, I may have written about that this morning. VIP. Well, I'm, I'm just saying that's the problem. Yeah, two or three get hurt. You're playing a couple greenhorns. You're playing a couple right. freshmen. So you're you're throwing those guys into the fire, and they're going to face some really good D linemen. It's not always going to look pretty. I mean, I think back to Rodney Hudson, one of the best linemen that I've covered in my time covering FSU. And first time he got thrown out there, he was frozen in the moment. Now he recovered very quickly and was good the rest of that year, but it was not pretty when he first got thrown out there. It's just a natural order of things. Jamrock Noel wants to know most exciting thing each of you have done during COVID. Uh, I got to know my family. <laughs> um, most exciting thing I've done. Uh, uh, you know, we, as a family, we've gone for a heck, we live near a really nice greenway area over here. We've gone for a lot of walks. Like we, you know, going through the woods, finding nice areas of Tallahassee. That's been fun. That's not something I would have done in a normal year outside mm-hmm. of one day every few months. We've done it several times every month. That's a really nice answer. And I was actually going to say something similar, Chris, because Ashley and I bought bikes and we've been able to to bike around the neighborhood and, and buy our greenway. But they asked for the most exciting and, and the answer is walk around the woods. Yeah, well, we're not living. We're not. I mean, it's a pandemic. It's most exciting thing each of you have done during COVID. I, I mean, so if we're like, talking about the pandemic and like a riskiness, I, I go to the grocery store like once a week. I, mean, I went to Universal Studios and Islands God. Adventure last week. Crazy man. It, truthfully, it wasn't bad. The it wasn't crowded, which was nice. Everybody had a mask on. They made you do that. There was no way of getting around that in there. And the lines, the way they separate them and put you on the rides, everything was separated a great deal. So actually, I I was surprised because I was very hesitant to do it. But the boys really wanted to. And I told them, you know, hey, you're going back to brick and mortar. So if we're doing that, let's see if we can do this effectively. We went to the beach, went to, to St. George. That was fun. That was exciting. Oh, and we what? saw we saw a pot of dolphins in the water with us. And then we saw a water spout in the water with us, too. Yeah, that was exciting. I'm going to go with that. Any rainbows? Yeah, there's a rainbow at the same time with a water spout, actually. We got a picture of it. I'll send you later. What about you, Josh? What have you done? Grown a lot of flowers, own the stock market? Uh, yeah, getting into the stock market has probably been the most exciting thing I've done. Uh, outside of the house, me and Allison got tennis rackets. We've been playing a lot of tennis, so I've I've enjoyed that. I definitely, I don't think her and I would be playing tennis three times a week if it wasn't for for the COVID, so... I started a podcast and, and it lasted one episode. That was fun. That was fun. That was exciting. Um, being on the phone with our bosses after that was exciting. All right. Z Knowles 9 wants to know, other than winning, what are some things you believe FSU has to do on the field 
to win over their top realistic targets. Show that they have coaching that's capable. Yeah. Um, D. Heasy wants to know if the Knolls somehow win eight or nine games, Woo! it's because Blank reached his full potential or surprised everyone. James Blackman. Josh Kando. I think it's more eight, nine wins has to be like a James Blackman type thing. On the flip side, if we only win four or five games, it's because the O-line is dreadfully awful. Agree. Uh, When will on-campus visits resume for recruits? There's no word. Chris, what's your prediction on this? Uh, If the Big Ten opts back into playing football, I think it could happen in October. Um, Why is the Big Ten uh, part of that equation to you? Because I think two conferences out, there's going to be enough complaining from the high heavens of those conferences that they're going to be hesitant to allow it for everybody to at least, you know, say the end of the season. So end of November, mm-hmm. early December. Um, as, so of right, as of right now, it's shut down through September, but they're kind of doing it on a month by month basis. So around September 15th, we would have an idea about October. Um, Is someone using a buzzsaw behind one of you guys? They are out back trimming <laughs> all the lee, all the trees around the garbage can. So I'll try to mute. I just want to know what it was. I thought at first it was someone like using the garbage disposal in Chris's house. Then it kept getting louder and more intense. That's fun. If somebody's using the garbage disposal in my house, I'm pretty damn scared because I'm. No, they're to always it by doing something. Around here. <laughs> That'd be horrifying, Chris. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. The boys aren't there. Uh, hey, no one thing that doesn't make sense to me about recruits not being able to visit like FSU is going to have 20,000 fans in the stands. Apparently like that's the plan. We're less than 10 days away and they have, well, recruits all, can visit. It's just, they can't, the school cannot host. And there's, so also, and there's also no face to face. Like that doesn't make any sense. I agree. I get it. But the, the really, issue is that nothing is uniform across the board in college football right now. And it never has been. All right. Stan 21 wants to know if we don't get Arnold. Okay. We've already answered the DB questions. I think FSU fans are now realizing they're not getting Arnold. Um, Doll for FSU. He wants to know, Sinone, favorite bourbon not named Pappy. Go. Ooh, ooh. Uh, George T. Stag is my favorite bourbon, absolutely. It's incredible. It's hard to find. But uh, but you can find it for like $400 somewhere. And you know what? It may be worth it. It's special. Ooh. Boxing Bug wants to know, 2022 recruiting. Oh, who are you? Some of our five or 10 most wanted guys for 2022. Ooh, Josh, you need to do 10 most wanted for 2022. Well, I mean, Marvin Jones Jr., Junior, Julian Armella, they're both legacies. They're very important guys. I think it's fair to say MJ Morris, Nico Markiel are two of those guys at quarterback. Definitely. Um, they like a lot of tight ends. Donovan, I want to say it's Donovan Green out of Texas is probably the most talented of that bunch. They made a really personalized edit for him. I think that speaks to the importance of him to their class. The Ali Waba offensive lineman kid from Memphis is one that they've been involved with for a long time. I think there were some ties there, obviously, from when the staff was over there. Those are a few guys off the top of my head. Um, they've done a good job spreading a really wide net with 22. The main issue with 22 is the inability to get a lot of them on campus. Right. All right. Um, what is your favorite movies? Sinone, hurry up and answer. <laughs> I thought about this one ahead of time, and now I'm forgetting my answer. Uh Oh, Stand By Me, I absolutely love. And uh, and Django Unchained is one that I can watch over and over again as well. I think those are both really well-done movies and, and extremely entertaining. Usual Suspects for me is probably my favorite movie ever. I haven't seen Swingers it. for me. Um, since you haven't been able to watch Fall Camp, will any of you have any 
on-field access when the season starts. We already know that we do not. Um, your opinion, what does what more does this current staff have to do to win over our fan base this season? I think show uh, that they're capable of coaching. Like, Didn't we already I, answer this? Wait, did this just well, that, we answered it as recruits. Oh, yeah, we answered it as recruits. Like, He's saying fan base. Exactly. Like, I, I legitimately thought time skipped. <laughs> I think if you see uh, development of players – you know, a guy like Kando breaking out the O-line looking better, even if they're not very good, just looking better that they're taking steps forward. If you see James Blackman be improved, I think all those things, people will buy into that. I think the thirst for good coaching, effective coaching, development of the roster here is so important that with that, we will see a return in other things, such as recruiting. A win over Miami would be like really, really nice feather in the cap too. Yeah, shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. For targets committed elsewhere, who do you see as a likely flip? He mentions defensive tackle Christopher Thomas. You know, I, Thomas's name gets floated out there. I, I think, I, truthfully, I think it's Warchan that keeps putting it out there. I've checked on Thomas. He contends he's solid to Florida. I don't know. I knew him when he was up here. I dealt with him a lot. I don't know that he's a guy that they're in love with either. Like, I, I don't know. I Patrick Payton's a guy I know they like. Warren Seymour's a guy I know they like that is committed mm-hmm. elsewhere. Um, Lee Hunter is another one that definitely falls in that boat. With Christopher Thomas, sort of an incomplete puzzle for me right now with him. Yeah, I think Lawrence Seymour would be kind of the one that I point to that I know that they're going to try to flip. I, like you said, Chris, um, on Thomas, I'm just not convinced that he's a guy that they love right now and they're going to be pursuing in a couple months. Um, but they do need defensive tackle help. So who knows how, you know, how, how, where they go on that. If, if they get desperate, a um, few more here. Would you say yes or no to this scenario? James Blackman, Marvin Wilson, Terry Corbin and Darius Washington all opt out this season, but on signing day, Marius Mim signed with us. I, I, would say no. <laughs> I would say no, like, nah. James, you, so the whole team opts out so that a <laughs> freshman left tackle – I know it's a hypothetical, or a, 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 but on signing a Mary Smith – no, I'd rather, I, I'd rather um, take their chances with Blackman, Marvin, because if they don't have those guys, it's going to be a short season. Do we think they only opt out for this season? So, like, does Terry come back the next year with the Marys Mims in the fold? Does Darius Washington get to move to, like, a to right tackle with the Marys Mims in the fold? Like, is that all part of the scenario? Because if so, maybe. No? I'm not. I'm not taking that. I'm not more. I'm not. Not me. <laughs> okay. Riveting, riveting dialogue there. All right. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be back on the other side to finish this thing up with a couple more good questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. 
Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are back on the bench, uh, wrapping up this mailbag from our Knowles 24-7 members. Um, Lots of great stuff on Knowles 24-7 right now. If you want to sign up, we have, is it a 30% off right now? Yes, 30% off, $1 for the first month. So and, and we'll have some out. other de- we'll have some other deals throughout the month too. People keep 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 it in on your radar. How's that for right. sales pitch? Florida State offensive line commit Kimo Macanoli looking like a likely flip to LSU. This is oh my god! This is in the words about of, LSU. No, this is in the words of Oz five six zero two. So with OT oh, that, that's Kimo. that's the guy who thinks Aslan's better than me. Don't don't read that question. Move on. <laughs> What OT prospect do you think FSU has the best chance at? Um, Well, first of all, I don't think Kimo was going to come in. I mean, Kimo might be playing tackle for FSU, but I think he was coming in penciled in as more of a guard with a secondary position as tackle, would you say, Chris? Yeah, I think he's a guy that could play either. Um, Like if FSU has the O-line clicking right, Kimo's at guard. Right, right. But it also comes down to do they add other offensive tackles yes. in this class? I, I'm not pushing a panic button on chemo flipping to LSU right now. I mean, LSU is king of the castle right now going into the season. And yes, I did offer. And yes, his conversation with Ed went right, very well. But chemo's commitment to FSU was not one done in a flash pan. He, uh, he, his family, his coaches were all involved with him when he got the offer and committed to FSU and had the conversations with Norvell Atkins and all of them, I don't think it's something he easily walks away from. Aslan's better than Brendan. I would trade for him. (laughs) Okay, easy. I think Rod Orr (laughs) is probably the offensive tackle prospect FSU has the best chance at. Um, You know, things are kind of slowed down with his recruitment over the last month. But I think at the end of the day, FSU is still going to recruit him. They're still going to be – they have still been in contact with him, I'm told. Um, so I think Rod Orr. And then I don't know where they turn at the high school level for another quality offensive tackle. I think they kind of see how things go during the senior year. They watch some film. I think maybe some new offers go out. But they might end up just keeping those scholarships for a transfer. Um FSU has just not been able to land a quality offensive tackle out of the high school ranks. And they can't just take a guy just to simply take a guy. Yeah. I think there's guys that are looking at that. They want to evaluate. They want to see more in person or at least more film of Rayvon crumb comes to mind. Almerian crims, another one. So they're, they're keeping some guys warm that they may go after, but it's more of a wait and see attitude from FSU right now than, Oh, this guy comes off the board. We're definitely offering him. Mm Mm-hmm. Any update on Hamza Nazardine? No. Um, Norvell was asked specifically about Hamza, and yeah, I think just on completely Tuesday. just completely uh, did not mention Hamza. Like the response didn't fit what the question was, so no, no update. I think right now, 
I, I would safely assume he's not going to be available in time for the opener. Okay. I don't know that to be hundred percent true. Question. But... What happened to Demory Tate? I was expecting an impact this year, but I've heard very little about him this camp. I think it's a matter of there's a lot of corners. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that they brought in two transfers and Jones and Dodson at that position had kind of restocked the board where it didn't allow Tate to compete more for that second role, the second, second team secondary role. Yeah. Um, and, and and Tate was someone that they thought was going to have a chance to come in and play early, but to Chris's point, like the depth has been really good. And I think maybe a variable that we didn't consider before is that DeMori, while extremely talented, was also pretty yeah. mm-hmm. raw. Like his high school coaching wasn't uh, elite. So I think we may be seeing some of that early in camp, but that doesn't mean he won't be by the end of the year, someone who factors in at, at some He's got point or really special athleticism. And that, that's always going to capture your attention. But they're a staff that is stuck on technique and fundamentals because at the end of the day, that's what wins football games. And I think Tate has a lot of work in those departments, as any freshman normally would. But as Sinone mentioned, he comes out of a freedom program that just wasn't any good. And, you know, his development was going to be limited by that. Sorry, any freedom coaches that are listening to the podcast right now. Well, (laughs) Sinone's from Orlando. You can tell you, I don't think Orlando Freedom's ever really been up to snuff. They they had a stretch when Andy Johnson was there as an outboom with Jeff Bidette, who had a nice career at Kentucky and Oklahoma. Uh, Lee Grant, we called him the general. Like Those players couldn't figure out why we called him the general because the two generals from the Civil War. Uh, Kevin Maurice, they had had a really nice stretch there. And then it kind of, that was it though, it was fleeting. Uh, and then they also beat us my junior year by like four touchdowns. We kept running up the score, but then we beat that ass next year. Set the school record for most extra points in a game. I was a long snapper. Hey, one thing on Demory Tate, though, uh, and as we look at the like some of the freshmen who maybe haven't been mentioned early in camp, I have the feeling that this season is going to be very much so broken into chapters in the COVID era because you may see multiple guys at a position group go out for a stretch during during a week or two. Do you think we're going to see that now? I mean, having just having watched baseball and, and having scrimmages in different I, I think cities be, now with different teams. I don't, I don't think it's going to be prolific, but I yeah. do think if you have an outbreak, it's going to be tough for that one. Team. Right. Yeah. But and, I don't think it's going to be across the board in college. At, college and I wish there was. Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. I think more so you'll see it like in a position group. And I don't think it'll be like a weekly deal for Florida State. And maybe mm-hmm. somewhere it impacts an opponent. One I week think the then, position group stuff's dangerous. Like if it wipes out a whole room, right. I don't care what position it is. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's worst case scenario to me. Well, I think that that happened at OU. I think I think Lincoln Riley said they were missing like eight nine guys from one position at one point in practice. The NCAA here's another thing where they're not being very good about being cohesive. You need to have a set rule or at least some guiding principles of. Like if someone of a certain position group goes down, like how many can you reasonably expect to play with that week? Uh, if there's a certain amount of players on a roster who test positive and they're not able to go, like what's the cutoff? Uh, how many guys can you not have reasonably to where it could then impact the health of other players playing too many reps or something like that? I, I would like to see that somewhat set in stone so we don't see teams trying to get out of games uh, just because they don't feel good about a position group or something like that in the middle of the year. Let's hope it goes like hockey. Hockey's nailed it. I mean, they've been in that bubble for a couple months now, and they I think they're at thousands of tests with no positive. So hopefully it goes more like that and less like baseball with the Marlins and the Cardinals there yeah. early on. Okay. 
I hope so. But it looks like we'll have football in about nine days. That's really exciting. It's also exciting that we've come to the bottom of the mailbag. Um, that's it. I got no more questions. Um, you fellas got anything you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Would you guys trade me for Aslan? <laughs> God, that really hurt you. No, I, I yeah, wouldn't. I don't even I know who Aslan me. is. So, yes, you would. No, I wouldn't try to trade you blindly. I don't want to know what I'm getting first. <laughs> That's the anyway. market, Josh. <laughs> yeah. For Josh Newberg. That's you. For Brendan Sinone. Me. And Chris Nee. That's it. It's me, Mario. <laughs> we are on the bench. <laughs>